Yo, how's it going people? How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Stop Being Busy. Hope you've been well. Hope you're enjoying the weather that is blessing us right now. So yeah, man, where are you? Um, where are you in the world? Um, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? I hope you've been having a good time. But um, yeah, I'm in London. Um, the weather is crazy. So we went from lots of rainy days and a little bit of sunshine popping out here and there to... 28 to 30 degrees standard in the daytime so yeah everyone's out everyone's enjoying it but being a brit as well lots of people complaining i'm complaining my hay fever is playing up again my nose is blocked most of the time but thankfully um today it's all right i've taken my i've taken my tablets and uh, my hay fever tablets and i'm actually all right today yeah you hear that <laughs> breathing through my nose i can actually breathe but um yeah man i'm gonna get back into this podcast so this week um, I'm going to be talking about how I got into data analytics in the first place. But before I do that, as always, get over to my TikTok. It's at Stop Being Busy. Drop me a message. Send me some questions. What would you like me to talk about on the podcast? And if you do send me a message, um, just please make sure it's in line with what I talk about. So contracting, freelancing, being a dad, or just trying to stay fit. So yeah, let's get back into it. So how I got into data analytics. So I'm going to go right back to the start of my journey. And this is going, damn, this is going back to like 2008. Yeah, 2008 is when I um, graduated from university. So I got a degree in geography and I wanted to work in, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time when I came out. Like no one really does. You go to degree, you go to uni, you get a degree and you come out and you think you're going to get a job. And the reality is I just couldn't find work anywhere. So I wanted to work for, um, I wanted to work in GIS, which is Geographical Information Systems. And that's all about like modeling and modeling land. There was a course that I did or a project that I did at uni on GIS. And it was about where's the best position to put um, wind turbines. And we had to use this um, software to map the land, map the geography, work out the wind direction, work out where you get the top speeds. Um, to actually power the wind turbine. I really enjoyed that because it was a mix of geography, but then also tech statistics and using data as well. So I really enjoyed that. And that opened my eyes to a side of geography that I'd never considered or thought about before. So I wanted to get into that. Um, but to do that, ideally at the time, I needed to go back and do a master's. Now, <laughs> I already studied for four years and I was like, I don't want to go back to uni. I can't really afford to go back to uni because the costs were cheaper back then. It was, I don't even know what it was per year. It was like three or four grand a year. Like now in the UK, it's what, 10? Might even be more, about 12 grand a year, um, which is crazy, but obviously it's all relative. So it was still expensive for me back then, 21, 22, coming out of uni, no jobs for prospects. And I didn't want to go back into the study system and pay to do it anyway. So I was looking for jobs. I was applying for jobs. Um, I had, done some work I couldn't yeah I couldn't find anything but I got some work with local councils and I did a few data collection projects so like door knocking talking to talking to residents one in London um about recycling I actually did it in Hackney uh, so this is this is going back so now if you see any council flat or any block of flats in in London there'll be communal recycle bins and they're like normally like purple or black I think they're normally like purple or black and back in the day, these didn't exist. I remember when I started recycling when I was younger, you had to literally pack up your plastic bottles or glass or whatever yourself and literally go out and try and find a recycle bin 
um, to do it yourself. So it wasn't anything. They didn't come to your house and collect it, basically. You had to go and find it yourself. And I remember doing it. My mum was like, what are you doing? Just put it in the bin. This is just long. And I was like, no. I saw it on Blue Peter. I'm showing my age here. I saw it on Blue Peter. <laughs> I want to do my recycling. I want to do my bit for the environment. So like, I've always been a bit of a geographer from young. And that stuck with me. So to work on this project with the council was really interesting. I got to learn more about recycling in the UK. Um, the the timeline, where it started and where it was going. And how they were trying to roll, it, um, roll recycling out to um, flats. So this was the trial. The trial was in Hackney, as I mentioned. So... They put a few bins out and then we were going around talking to all the residents, saying that they've got recycling bins, showing the dates, um, talking about um, food waste recycling as well. So if they wanted it, signing up for the little brown bins. Again, if you're in London, you know what I'm talking about, these little food waste bins. Um, they were giving away bags at the time as well, the um, decomposable bags you put in there um, and then showing, to letting them know when the collection dates were. And the whole point of this was to build data to say, is it effective in this area? And if it is, then we can roll it out across the other boroughs in London. And yeah, it worked. It was effective. Um, it got rolled out and now it's a, it's a standard. Everyone does, not everyone, but there's a recycling collection um, pretty much every week in every borough across London, which is really cool. It's really good to see. So that was what, 2008, 2009, I did that. So... How many years is that? My maths is terrible. What, 15, 16, 17 years? Something like that? 17, 15 years? Um, yeah, about 15, 15 years time, years ago. So yeah, it's good to see how everything's moved forward. Whether or not things actually get recycled or we, or we get stashed into the same bin, who knows? We'll never know. Um, there are obviously conspiracies and theories <laughs> which back up everything that goes into the same place. But um yeah, it was still good to be part of that project as it was um, coming from the ground up. And then I also did one with um, Brighton Council as well. And this was to develop the cycle route, cycle lanes out there. So a lot of the areas, again, growing up in London, I went to Union Brighton. The way that the roads are built in Brighton is not the same as London. So the connectivity is different. The buses weren't as good. The buses are a lot more were a lot more expensive in Brighton. I don't know what the prices are now because obviously I don't live down there anymore. But the prices just to jump on a bus um, were a lot more expensive. So they were trying to widen the cycle network um, with Brighton being, um, I think it's like it was like one of the only cities that had a green chair, um, that Green Party uh, chair. Um, in the UK so they're always about sustainability always trying to do things for the environment which I think was really cool as well um, so yeah they lobbied the council um, to encourage or to increase the cycled routes so again it was a door knocking project talking to residents um, what would help them to ride more what are stopping them from riding so what are their blockers to ride in um, and this again was across um, a lot of the majority of Brighton and going in a bit of Hove as well and it was interesting. So from really big, massive houses to blocks of flats, um, just the type of views that we got from residents. So even some of the people with the big houses and really nice cars, they were just like, look, this is it's great to have this car, but it's expensive. If I could just jump on a bike safely um, and get to where I need to go, I would. Um, so like a lot of the roads are like big A roads connecting to motorways and then cycling on them is just long. Like I've ridden on a few of them myself as well. And it's, it was quite scary back in the day. So I tried to stay away from it um, and just like ride the back ways. So yeah, a lot of people saying, yeah, it'll be nice to have those roads. And that was like on the outskirts of Brighton Hove. And then obviously in the inner Brighton, they were just like, yeah, if we could have better locking, um, bike locking for, um, 
better options to lock our bikes. Obviously, safer to ride around on the seafront, then yeah, we'll do that. So the council giving out really good um, bike locks at the time um, for anyone that wanted them. Um, and that worked as well. So that project actually happened. And um, yeah, the cycle network in Brighton is it's amazing now how you can just get around. And a lot of it is just designated just for bikes. Um, so yeah, that was my first couple of goals, my first couple of jobs. Again, it was all data collection. I thought, yeah, I'm onto a winner. But then this was still around the time of the recession. So 2008, credit crunch. Um, and there were just no jobs anywhere. So after these two projects, when I thought I had enough experience to so then, yeah, I've got my degree. I've got experience doing two data collection projects. So let's push on and actually do a bit more. I couldn't find anything at all. Couldn't find anything. So yeah, it was like, it was quite soul destroying having spent all that time obviously studying um, and like you're applying for jobs, applying for jobs and getting no feedback. <laughs> Sounds a bit like now, right? Um, applying for jobs, obviously it was that completely different way that you applied for jobs back then. It wasn't the same as now we could just jump onto LinkedIn or or whatever. Um, and I guess I couldn't find any work, but then also it was a bit of my fault as well. I was a bit too scared to jump on the phone and call companies directly um, and try and find out if they had opportunities um, because what I've learned now is a lot of the best jobs they're not advertised on any of the job boards um, and sometimes it's just like word of mouth or just contacting them directly and, or sending a speculative CV um, to start a conversation I just didn't do any of that so yeah I couldn't find any work um, so I joined like temp temp to perm um, recruitment ad, temp to perm agencies and with this, I was getting like jobs, getting hold a lot of different jobs from like literally data entry. So sitting in front of a computer, being given a list of a list or a book, and then having to translate that book into the computer. So type that book into a computer. Um, doing sales sales jobs on the phones, trying to sell products. From um, <laughs> if you remember, this is going way back. So now, obviously, everyone's got like Sky or BT um, for like additional TV packages. But back in the day, we had cable and there was one called NTL um, in the UK. So I was working as an NTL salesperson, literally phoning people up, finding out what their broadband package was and then trying to upsell them or sell them on to transfer them over to NTL, but then also sell TV packages as well. And um, I was terrible. I was so bad at selling. Um, <laughs> it, it was literally for the day I started. It was like, when am I going to get fired? And <laughs> on those terms, it was like, it's not a case of you have a month's notice. It's just like, yeah, you're not in target. See you later out the door. So I did that for as long as I could. Uh, NTL, I did a few other sales jobs, data entry jobs. Um, I got one job as a postman <laughs> in Brighton University, in Brighton College. And that was actually quite cool. That was a summer job. Um, so I was literally, it was quiet because it's summer. No one was there. Um, there was very little post coming in, but when it did come in, I just needed to like post it or sort it and then post it around to different departments in the building. And that was pretty cool. Um, I got my own little post room. Um, I just used to plot up, put some music on and just chill. A lot of my friends came to stay at our houses, my house in Brighton as well. So I did that in the day. Um, it was only like, what? I don't even know what it was. Six pound an hour, seven pound an hour maybe. But it was work. Do you know what I mean? It helped pay my rent. It helped to pay to go out and have a good time as well. Um, and I couldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock it. It was, it was still a good time. Um, and then what happened? So after doing loads of little different jobs, um, going to some interviews, getting some rejections, 
I was approached by an insurance company in Brighton where I was invited to do a phone interview. Did that, absolutely smashed it. And then got invited into, um, what do you call it? It was like um, a multi-person interview. I know there's definitely definitely a word for it. Test centre. It's called a test centre. So, yeah, I got invited to the test centre where initially it started out, you got interviewed by, I can't remember how many people in the room, maybe two or three people were in the room. And then from there, uh, went into like a group um, task I can't, again, I can't remember what exactly you had to do, but there was a task that we had to do, we had to chip in, uh, add your recommendations, what you would do. And the the, t- the team from the company were just like observing. They wouldn't say anything, they wouldn't prompt anything. There's a task you had to get on with. And um, yeah, I quickly understood what we had to do in that role. Took a lead where I need to needed to, sat back when I needed to, answered questions as and when I needed to. And yeah, I got that job, so that was pretty cool. And the, the salary wasn't great, but from moving from six pound an hour to a permanent job where I had some benefits and a bit of stability, I was on it. I was on it. But um, yeah, when I got the offer through, the start date actually um, clashed with a date that I was going to be away. So um, what I had, obviously I had to get get in touch with them and say, look, I'm not going to be here. Can I push my start date by two weeks? Um, when I told the recruitment agency, so the who found me, so it was actually internal. And when I told her, told the lady that I'm away, she was like, oh, they don't normally like this, but I see what I can do. Um, but they came back and I was like, yeah, that's fine. If you've already booked it, then there's not much we can do. So when you come back, we'll start you on your training. So what I was supposed to do is go into, a, I was working in insurance claims, um, setting up policies um, and just like managing, managing policies. So when an individual had a policy, they might call in, you might have to service it, you might have to send it on to a different department, rare, rare, rare. I was meant to do that and there was like a two-week um, phone training course before you started but obviously because I was away for two weeks I missed those two weeks of training so when I came back when I turned up there were a couple of people I recognized from the test center um, and they were like oh um, I've heard that you're not actually doing phone training you're getting moved into another team it's a lot very technical it's very boring apparently no one in the business wants to be there and I think this is what they were told by their trainers um, during the phone training so obviously I was like oh no that's bad I don't really want to do that but it's work it's money I'm not going to say no let's see what happens so yeah I went into this um, technical team and 100% of my time was literally spent on amending policies using an in-house system so at first I was like this is so long like why am I doing this it was boring um, I thought it was boring I was like oh no I'm not really interested but within a couple of days I realized that it would all happen for a reason and I was like ah really I'm actually enjoying this it like kind of the whole work was about the whole job was around looking for workarounds in the computer system so the way that I think that it happened is the company had paid for um a bespoke uh, a bespoke piece of software to do a particular job it had once it had rolled out Obviously, it's paid, it's done, move on to the next one. There were lots of issues with it. And then to go back and then to pay, I think the, to pay to do it again would have been so expensive. So then it may have been cheaper just to have a team of people um, within the business who know the platform inside out to find workarounds, um, to process these policies. Um, and yeah, just keep things running smoothly. So it kind of worked out like playing Zelda. <laughs> on, on I remember playing Zelda on the Game Boy when I was growing up. And that was like, literally, you get plopped in the land 
And then that's it, off you go. Like, what do you do? You need to, like, go and test stuff. If you're in a maze, you've got to, like, use your sword and, like, hit walls um, and see if it sounds hollow. Like, all of that. That was literally what my job was, like, to try and break the... Not break the software, but to find holes in the software where I could exploit it to actually um, amend the policy without making too much detriment to the customer. So within... what? How long was I there? I don't know. Say within... I was in that team for about two years, but within about six months... I grew to know the system really well and I was probably one of the best um, with the system. So then I became like a source of knowledge for lots of people in different departments. They'll come to me, they'll ask me questions. Um, how would you do this? What do you recommend on this? Do you reckon you could rewrite this? And I was like, yeah, I can do that because I understand the system inside out. So um, why am I telling this story? Um, basically, my pay was, it was pretty low. Um I enjoyed doing what I was doing um, with this company um, on this particular role, but I wanted to do stuff. Like I just met my now wife. Um, I had moved back to London. I was traveling from London to Brighton for work every day, which is long. It was soul destroying at first. And I had dreams. I wanted to do stuff. So my wife loves to snowboard. Um, our first holiday was actually to snowbombing where we went snowboarding together and that wasn't cheap. I had to put in so much overtime um, to be able to pay for it. So um, working nine to five and then a few days a week I was doing um, a few days a week. I was doing overtime in the evenings and then traveling back. So imagine waking up at what half five, six, traveling to Brighton. There may be some sort of train disruption or delay on the way. Um, trying to get there for nine, normally getting there for 10 because I was always late or train delays. So that's already, what, four hours. Um, then doing your standard day without taking without taking a smaller lunch and then doing additional hours of overtime and then travelling back to London to do the whole thing again five days a week. So that was, at first, I could do it because it was paying for holidays and whatnot and I was still able to do what I wanted to do. But I had no time for myself. I had no time to spend with my missus. Um, but then also I was doing some... I was doing Saturdays as well. So... Um, Fortunately, one of my one of my good friends um, was still living down there, so I was crashing at his place. Um, or, there's a couple of them actually. It was three of them, three of the guys. Um, there's more. There's like f actually four or five who all living in the same. They all live in the same house at the time. So I was crashing on their sofa um, many Fridays, cooking up, stinking out of their living room when I was cooking. Um, <laughs> still get wound up about that to this day. But yeah, I was crashing on their sofa and then waking up Saturday, doing another shift, and then traveling back to London. Um, and it took its toll in the end. I was just like, no, I can't do this. Surely there must be something else. So I remember um, it was February. I don't know, was it 2014? February 2014, I think it was. And I was ill. I had I had the flu. Um, and I remember like really cold, shivering, um, then really hot, sweating. And I was like, going through that, going through that. And I was like, right, when I get better, I need to get back on a train, travel to Brighton. And I was like, I don't want to do that. There must be more. So this is when I started looking into um, other things that I could do. And I was like doing searches, looking on job boards. I was finding jobs and marketing kept came, kept coming up. And I was like, hmm, that looks interesting. I'd never done any marketing in my life. But at this point, I was I was I had been trained on the phone. So I was doing some phone work. Uh, my customer service skills had gone up. I was quite good with in-house systems. I'd learned a bit of Excel, some basics like VLOOKUPs using the P, P table, you know, using a pivot table, 
um, some basic formulas. Like that's all I that's all I really needed in my job. Um, so yeah, I was doing that, and I thought, okay, I must be able to use these skills somewhere else to obviously get paid more and not have to travel as much, so I can reinvest that time and do. Um, more stuff with for for myself and also my girlfriend or even go to the gym I didn't have any time to go to the gym so yeah I started looking around saw marketing um looked into what I would need to get into marketing and all I was seeing is you need a degree in marketing or you need um an additional professional certificate or qualification and all of this just said money and I was like right this is one thing that I don't have two I'm not willing to do more overtime or get another job like in a pub or whatever just to be able to pay um to get a better job I know that's not necessarily the right attitude but I thought if I could get into a different role that pays more then I can invest my spare time into study rather than just into work 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 because it's not sustainable and I had that I had that vision from 2014 as like let's how can I work smart rather than work harder um and yeah, going through like looking at um marketing, I came across digital marketing and I was like, hmm, what's this? <laughs> like as as I kept digging in, digging in, digging in, I kept seeing Google Analytics and I was like, what is this? What is this Google Analytics? And I was like reading up about it, brought up on it, and it sounded really interesting. Um having tracking tags on website. I know obviously I knew everything was tracked, so everything's gonna be tracked, it was just the way that we're moving forward. Um it just seemed like a bit of a game, so trying to understand when a customer lands on the website, where they go next, how long they're on the site, when they're going to leave. And I, I thought again, oh, this links back to like gaming. I played so much computer games when I was growing up and I really enjoyed like those stats and like the detail, how if you do A, B, C and D, then it would link to the next steps. Do you know what I mean? X, Y and Z. So I was like, okay, I could do this. Um, how do I get into it? So I started researching Google Analytics and I couldn't believe that Google had a free um, course um, teaching you how to do Google Analytics. So it was like the intro to, intro to Google Analytics with, I remember the guy's name was Justin um, Cotroni. I think it was Cotroni. And like, he was proper dry. His voice was so dry. I would sit there and I was like, this is really interesting, but you're boring me. Um, but I pushed through anyway. So I learned that. And I thought, right, I've got that now. Um, I did that course. It was only a foundation course. And I thought, okay, um, what's next? And then I saw there was the GAIQ, which is the Google Analytics Individual Qualification. And I thought, yeah, I want to get that. And that's like a next step up and a bit of accreditation from Google. It's not to say that um, it's a professional accreditation, but I saw a few jobs, uh, job descriptions that said, if you've got the GAIQ, um, then it will be good. Um, it'll be... Look looked upon in a good in good light so I thought oh, yeah let me push to get that and I was like okay but I've got a basic understanding of the GA um Google Analytics I need to do more what more can I do so again got on the internet started looking around searching and this is when I came across a podcast by um a guy called Avinash Kursik and his podcast was called I think how you pronounce it Occam's Razor all right and there was a there was a particular blog it was called How to Go From Zero to Hero in Five Steps. And it was talking about um, get, becoming a data analyst from zero, having no knowledge in data um, and what you should do. And one of the things that really stuck in my head was like, um, one of my challenges, I didn't have any data so I could practice daily. And one of his tips was like, look, learn how to build a website, build a website and start tracking your own data um, and use that as a case study. And I was like, okay, 
<laughs> why not? I obviously didn't know how to build a website. Again, didn't have a di- um, extra or a- any money lying around, um, disposable money that I could pay for um, a website. So I went onto Amazon. I bought a book called, um, which is basically, I don't know what it was called now. It was like WordPress for beginners 2000 and whatever it was, 2009, 2010. No, it was later than that. 20, I don't know. But it was, WordPress was, it was a WordPress book. And it basically, from front cover to back cover, it just took you through every step of building um, a, web, a website on WordPress from getting hosting. So I got hosting on GoDaddy, um, got my email, got my um, domain name, and then I built it on WordPress, linked them all up, um, did some SEO optimization, like learned about that, didn't know what that was. And it was like like setting up whitelists or blacklists. Um, yeah, it's like, it was all little things that I didn't know. And it just it was all just adding to my wider understanding of what digital marketing is. So I did that. Um, and funnily enough, um, the podcast, not the podcast, the website was called Stop Being Busy. So you can see how we've gone like full circle from 2014 to now doing a Stop, Be- Stop Being Busy podcast. So it's called Stop Being Busy. And I was like putting out podcasts. Sorry, talking too quickly. I was putting out blogs every couple of every week or so. Um, just about things that were happening in my life. So again, it was it was the same as what I'm doing now. It's exactly the same as what I'm doing now. So I was talking about some fitness. I was talking about um wake up routines. Obviously, my life was different, so the topics were slightly different. Um, traveling to work, like how to maximize your time when you're traveling when you've got X number of hours for commuting. And this is this is when I got into reading and like reading self help books as well. So I was writing about all of this. And I started learning how to use Twitter. I was using Instagram. I was promoting on Facebook. Um, I wasn't doing any paid promotion, completely all organic. Um, and I was driving some traffic to my website. Now, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot of traffic at all. I'm not going to say it was a lot. But I was getting some hits. Um, I put some filters on to block like known uh, spam sites. And I was getting some traffic from around the world, which was enough for all. I, it was enough for what I needed. I basically just needed to look at like how many people were landing on my site, their session duration, what the bounce rate was, um, and it just helped me just to nail and like lock in some of the key basics um, of Google Analytics. So I did it for six months, and when I got to six months, I thought, okay, cool, I've got experience in. Um, customer service I'm quite good at talking to people holding conversation with people I know how to use in-house systems so I learn new systems quickly I've got a basic knowledge of excel and I know how to build a basic website and I can do some basic google analytics and I thought that must be enough to start applying and like getting through some of the ATS systems I didn't know what an ATS system was at the time um if you don't it's an application tracking system so basically when you apply for a job your job doesn't go directly to a person. It goes into an into a system. There are a number of them. I've worked, I've done some contracting and recruitment advertising. So understand now um, how they work. Um, so when it goes in, the system will automatically scan it for keywords. If the keywords match um, and your experience match and there's not enough gaps in your, in your, in your CV, for example, if enough things match, then it actually again gets flagged on or moved on to your hiring manager. So they might actually look at your CV, um, and maybe invite you in for an interview. So I think I must've had enough. I definitely must've had enough, um, of the keywords 
in there to get an interview. I got an interview at, I had two interviews actually, um, but I only remember in depth one of them because I got a really good feeling from my first uh, meeting and the job was, oh, this is going back now. The job was, all right, I just had to look on my LinkedIn quickly. So it was for a campaign analyst opportunity. Um, I didn't know what a campaign analyst was at the time. Um, and you know what? I didn't actually apply for this role directly. I must have been on read and applied for other jobs in digital marketing. Um, and then when you apply on a job board, obviously you, you can tick for your CV to be sent out to other people as well. Um, and it must have got picked up by another agency. And then the hiring manager actually got in, in touch with me directly, invited me in for an interview did the interview, had to do a quick Excel test, did that. And it was all based on just like pivot tables. Again, this was an entry level role. Um, did that and then got invited to the the second and final interview. And so the first one was with, would have been my direct lead, um, team lead. And then the second interview was with the um, team manager and then the head of the department. And they did, in the in the second interview, they didn't really ask me, it wasn't about work. It was about me. So what did I do in my spare time? Um, what have I been doing? Okay, what have I been doing up, running up to this point? What have I been doing in my spare time? So this is when I was talking about building the website. And my I literally was just honest. I was like, look, I wanted to do I want to do something different. I want to get into digital marketing. I've been doing this um, to try and get a job. And I just remember um, the department manager just said to me, okay, What's what is a bounce rate? Can you explain it to me and why is it important? So I gave an answer to that. And literally the same day I got an email saying, congratulations, you got the job. So I was like, yes. Like doing my own study um, has definitely helped me um, to move into this opportunity. So I learned from that, from that um, experience, what I learned was that if you look at a job spec, and you start to um, reverse engineer it and look at the look at some of the key skills. Are they interesting? And then I've mentioned this before. If you think you can do those skills or some of those skills in six to 12 months time, then obviously you can start applying for those roles and start having those conversations. And that's exactly what I did then. And it's something that I stick by now when I look at job or JDs um, and there's something on there. For example, I've mentioned this again last week with Python. I don't know it now. Um, I know it very basically, but in the next um, six to 12 months, probably 12 months, because I want to I want to develop a, a deeper understanding of it. I will start applying for opportunities or working with startups or SMEs that require uh, someone to have um, Python experience or knowledge so that I can do particular statistical analysis or I can help to ingest data from X um data source into their data warehouse. Do you know what I mean? I, I want to be able to do that. I can't do it now. So I don't put it on my CV because I know as a contractor, if you make big mistakes, then obviously that's an X against your name. Um, and in this business, <laughs> it's a very small business. Like people will find out if, or your real reputation will precede you. Do you know what I mean? So it's all about trying to be on job and being honest. So um, yeah, that worked out for me. I was only in that job for a year. I was only in that job for a year and then I got headhunted by um, a rival. It wasn't even a rival. It was a similar company, but they did slightly different things. So I got headhunted by a different company. I'm still within recruitment advertising, but this role was more of a data analyst. So where previously I was looking at a lot of Google, so building um, UTM tags, um, building tracking tags using DoubleClick, 
I don't even know if it's called double click anymore. Maybe DCM now. I'm not sure. So yeah, building those um, standard tracking and then also image tags, sending them out to um, job boards or to our clients and they would add it on the system with our tags and then we would be able to get the numbers back and feed in X amount of people have looked at advert, X amount of people have applied for a job and then we can start to build some insights around that and work out what the best job boards were for particular type of jobs. So um, yeah, that was Campaign Analyst. I enjoyed it. Um, I knew it wasn't something I could do forever. So yeah, when I got headhunted, that was all good. Um, and then yeah, I got headhunted to another agency doing something similar, Data Analyst. Um, at the same time, I got headhunted for two jobs at this point and I had to make a big decision. And it's really interesting. If I went the other way, I probably would be doing something completely different now. So this was a opportunity in a company. They're up in Soho. They had a really cool office sponsored by Red Bull. They had a drum kit, um, table tennis. Everything. Like It was really nice the way the office was laid out. Um, but they were focusing more on like... Um, paid media so I'd have been digging into like CPMs and doing a lot I don't even know it's not it's not my world that side of it in a way like PPC I would have been digging more into PPC um so I got that job as well and their salary was actually higher than what I took but I stayed with what I knew because I just thought I'm not ready to learn something else I'm still at the beginning of learning this data analyst um role I don't want to move away from it yet so yeah moved on to my other agency I was there for two years as an analyst and then an opportunity came up to um, head up their social media department so in the background I was working with a few friends on a music collective um so I was taking pictures for them doing some video just like skills that I taught myself again and I was helping them with their social media uh, marketing so yeah just trying to build the brand um I was getting like we had events that were happening in Box Park at Shoreditch at the time um, a lot of my work would come down and just like they'll come and party with us and when we had them so my company knew that I was like messing around in social media I was like working and drawing audiences um, they were getting a lot more work um, from their clients or questions about organic and paid social but they didn't have anyone to do it um, so I was like look I understand um, organic if you're willing to take a punt on me then I can learn paid and then yeah we can move forward and grow so yeah I did that um, so I was leading that team and then I was responsible for one hire who came in, um, really knowledgeable, knowledgeable guy. He knew his stuff on social as well. Um, but I was only in that role for about a year. I was only in that role for about a year. And then that's, that brings us up to uh, 2018. So that's four years since um, I started um, in data analytics. 2018. Uh, this is when my wife got her sabbatical. I've mentioned it before. Um, and I had the decision to make, what do I do? So at this point, I'm earning a bit of money, but I'm still not earning loads. Like, it's not enough to like take the whole year off and then not have to work. I still needed to work. I wanted to like not just rely on my non-existent savings and then get in trouble while I was away. <laughs> I wanted to have some money so I could spend and do stuff and experience things, have a good time. Do you know what I mean? So this is... Again, when um, one of my friends that I was working with, he put me forward for contracting. Um, it, this was, okay, so this was still within the social media space um, and how I kind of like um, carved out my own little lane was because I came from a data background um, and everything that I did was informed by data insight and analysis, I was a social media strategist at this point 
Um, and again, everything that I was just leaning on the data. So I'd got a good knowledge of using Facebook paid media, um, Instagram paid media, LinkedIn campaign manager, um, using Twitter ads and Snapchat was starting to come up, um, come up on that at that time as well. So I got a good understanding of paid. Um, I knew organic really well. Um, so yeah, I moved over to this new agency as a contractor and again, they didn't have anyone working on analytics. So I was deep diving into all the analytics of a lot of the campaigns that are running, um, giving my recommendations on that. And then I became like a go-to for a lot of new uh, client wins. And when we're talking about social, how we can drive certain data and link it to different departments. And then if we took action A, how that could lead to B. Um, and then we can think about C and D in the future. So I was doing that. Um, and that's what allowed me to go traveling um and make some money while I was away so yeah when I got back um I'm gonna do a podcast probably next week on um my adventures abroad like where we went um some of the challenges and I had working abroad working remotely I'm gonna go into that next week that's a different podcast but yeah when I got back um I struggled to find work again for a little bit but I knew I didn't want to go into a perm role I picked up a few contracts, again, some in social, but I made the hard decision that um, social media is great. But I noticed um, I noticed a bit of a change in the market where companies weren't really willing to pay for expertise. They just wanted someone to come in, push out posts, um, kind of like they would ask for strategy. And then when it came to posting, it was like, forget the strategy and just be reactive. So yeah, there's there's an element of that, but you still need a bit of a strategy. So I was getting so much pushback from the clients I was working with. A bar one, there was an audio um, client that I worked with, which were amazing, absolutely I loved um, working with them. They were they created um, speakers. Um, yeah, ah, amazing. Love going to their actual uh, showroom and listening to music on their speakers. Like the sounds that you heard, I heard were just sounds on tracks I'd never heard before. So yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, really good people over there. Um, but what happened? I was just like, yeah, um, I need to do something now. I had a few other little contract gigs in the in the in the time as well, and I was like, this is great, but I need to like really hone in on data analytics. Like, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do, and um, this is where I'm gonna have a bit of longevity where I can develop and not just hit a cap and get pushed out by um, keeping people willing to undercut me. Um, so yeah, got into data analytics. I was doing some studying again. Looked through loads of job descriptions, um, and the big thing again that was coming up was SQL, Power BI, Tableau, Python, um, Excel, uh, stakeholder management. Um, yeah, they're just the key things in my in my space. So I thought, okay, I've already got like I'm quite good at stakeholders, uh, stakeholder management. I'm good at customer service. Um, I'm good with Excel. I was like really good at Excel by this time. So my formulas becoming I'm using advanced formulas. Um, still, again, pivot tables like they save so much time. So relying on those. But the key things that stood out next were SQL um, or SQL, which is um, structured query language, um, and it's the it's the language that you use to query data from a database. Um, so you can start to do your analysis, um, pull that data and start building visualizations based on the data that you've found or transformed um, within the within SQL, within the SQL um, space. So I didn't know how to use it. Um, did a few courses on Udemy. 
Um, and then, yeah, just started practicing every day. And like, at first it did not make sense at all. I was like, what the hell am I doing? Um, but I had to like, just keep thinking an hour a day, an hour a day, an hour a day is going to make a difference. So I did this for about a year. Um, got to a, re- a decent level of uh, sequel. But what I realized now, what I know now is that I didn't really know that much at all. I knew the basics. So what is a select um, using obviously select from where um, joining tables, like just the basics, like using um, uh, a group by order by like, just again, these are the things that you use every day. You're going to need to use every day if you're doing any querying on databases. But what I didn't know and what you can't really train for on courses is the type of business questions you're going to get asked. So the examples I was doing, not in no way do they translate to any of the questions that I've been asked by some of my stakeholders now. So a lot of it, a lot of the questions I get is like, rough. I don't even know how I'd find out how I word it out. And then it comes to, can I get access to the tables? Um, if I were to do this join, what would it do? Would it create duplicates? There's loads of little questions that don't doesn't come up in your training. So the training is good. Um, the online courses and training is good and it's really good to your theory and building a basis. But where, where you actually like cut your teeth is when you're in business and you're using it for real on real questions. So yeah, that's how I've got into what I'm doing now as a data analyst. Um, and I'm actually trying to build my own uh, my own consultancy. So Peri.analytics um, is what, I, what I'm trying to build. So yeah, I do contract um, at the moment. But what I'm ultimately trying to do in the next 12 to 24 months is work directly with startups and small um, small to medium enterprises where I come in and help them to visualize their success using um, st- data storytelling, um, linking their data to visualization tools and helping them to self-serve some of that um, insight as well. So it's what I've done at, at companies, at massive companies um, for the last couple of years, but I want to do it myself for like smaller companies. Um, but yeah, what's really interesting is this with AI coming in as well. Um, a lot of analysts that I've spoken to, they're like worried. A lot of um, a lot of the posts that I've seen on LinkedIn about AI and data analytics is, oh my god, it's gonna like make us lose a job. Is it even worth getting into it now? And it's like anything, do you know what I mean? Yes, some people will lose their work, lose their job, but if you embrace the technology. Um, start to understand that a lot of the tools are starting to embed um, an element of AI into their platforms. Like Tableau just launched um, their AI um, solution um, within their visualization tool. Um, A lot of other tools are going to start doing it as well. And if you just learn how to embrace that, then obviously you can use the AI to work with a larger number of clients and without using as much of your time so for the basic stuff like setting up the dashboards linking the data sets running the queries checking the code like all of those things you can use ai to do um, and then when it comes down to insight analysis yeah maybe you might even be able to run the insight analysis on it but you still need the individual to do the deeper insight analysis linking it to the business um linking it to, a, to um, actionable actions um and then yeah trying to deliver results as well so Rather than just doing it for one company, you could potentially do it for multiple companies all through one person. Um, does that mean there'll be less jobs for people? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think companies are going to build and grow um, as time goes by. But um, in the meantime, it's second guessing or there's just getting your head down, doing your work, learning new skills 
and getting yourself out there and trying to make it happen. So yeah, that's it. That's how I got into data analytics. Um, I've spoken quite long today. What I've noticed is these podcasts are getting longer week by week. So the first week was like 20 minutes. And like this one is pushing on to, I'm just looking at the time, um, the time counter at the moment is like what, 44 minutes. So I hope I'm not talking too much. <laughs> I hope I'm not boring you. Again, let me know. Get onto my TikTok. Leave me a message. Um, let me know if you're enjoying these episodes. And yeah, what's really important. So if whatever platform you listen to this on, so it's on Spotify, um, it's on Apple Podcasts, it should be on Google's podcast and platform as well. Please just give me a rating. Um, that would really, I really appreciate it. The more people that actually give me a rating, then the more people that could potentially see this and benefit from it. Um, and then yeah, that's it from me this week. You know, um, enjoy the sunshine, stay safe. It's gonna be a hot one, so stay hydrated. Don't get dehydrated like me, like I did yesterday and had a banging headache. Make sure you keep those fluid levels up. And as always, get out there, make it happen, and stop being busy. <laughs> Until next time, take it easy.